What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. We're here to bring our opinions and our news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 197. Very Super Bowl-heavy kind of wrap-up this NFL season before we get into the free agents in a few weeks. Uh, we're going to discuss the NFL honors from this year, as well as the Super Bowl itself, and some uh, some movement in the in the coaching world. Uh, some kind of surprising. Might... might not necessarily be people leaving where they are now to go to where we thought they would, but we'll get to that later. Uh, first, we'll start with NFL honors. Uh, I guess it already happened. It's not a surprise, so we're going to just, you know, go from the top down. Patrick Mahomes, NFL MVP, his second. Um, earlier in the season, we did our way too early predictions. I, I picked Herbert. I believe you picked Mahomes. Um, I probably he, picked Mahomes. Yeah, you probably did. Uh, which is a smart pick. It's like the old Tiger Woods first the field when he was in his heyday. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, the guy lost his best receiver, and I know Kelsey there too, but he's a tight end. Calm down. Lost his best receiver uh, and still put up incredible numbers and proved there's no gimmicks with Patrick Mahomes. He, he is that good, uh, although... He is really starting to rub some people the wrong way, but um, I'll get to that too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, he got a second MVP. Um, killer stats, like over 4,500 yards, 40-something touchdowns. I don't have them in front of me. I should have pulled them up because I have all the power of the internet right at my fingertips, and I didn't. But um, I don't need I don't need to read off a bunch of stat lines for me to know how good Mahomes is. He is that good. And um, it, it was hard to argue anybody else deserved this award legitimately. I mean, you you could have gone Hurts, uh, but it's like uh, Mahomes has that good karma with within the the league where it's like he already has a presence, so it's really hard have somebody who was pretty much as impressive as him just take the crown from him uh, without him doing something to lose it so it went to Mahomes I'm fine with that Hurts may have his day still but um yeah I mean I don't think we're gonna argue about this he deserved it he earned it he was the best player in the league this year and good for him uh let's see yeah the, the stats the stats alone I mean just, just... oh yeah yeah I think I think what weighed it the most, this is just my opinion. I'm sure a lot of other people would agree, is that you've subtracted, as you pointed out, the the dynamic player that is Tyreek Hill, and I think he put up. Because we talked about this a couple weeks into the uh, before the season ended, that the numbers were very much similar, except for. I think it was total yards was like a little off his mark, but not too much off mm -hmm. his mark. But the yards per completion were on mark. The touchdowns were on mark. The interceptions, the, the sacks, all completion percentages. Like everything was was where his standard was. And, you know, he had his MVP, other MVP season, and that was astronomically great. I just think it's more of a – a telltale sign that, that Mahomes has shifted from a top tier quarterback to the clear defined number one 
you can add players that have talent and he can elevate them. Mm -hmm. But you still need that number one guy and they still have it in Kelsey. But I think we've talked about this. What, what happens when Kelsey loses a step or Kelsey starts to get injured a little bit more. Now you have to create that dynamic of, of a more elusive offense. Um, And as we'll talk about later, even though they may not have their OC, I don't think there's going to be any drop off in the offensive concepts, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, But it is, it's basically his award for someone to try and come take away from him. Who can do it? You know, a season like Jalen had this year. Uh, if Deshaun can get back on track where he's at, maybe Trevor Lawrence, um, maybe Aaron Rodgers, if he goes somewhere else, can can put up one last uh, kind of epic season. But I think it's pretty much like you pointed out. It's Tiger of the field, and uh, mm-hmm. right now, just bet on just bet on Patrick Mahomes. That's all. Yeah, it's usually a safe bet. Uh, offensive defensive players of the year: uh, Justin Jefferson of the Vikings gets offensive player of the year. Um, Nick Bosa, or was it Joey? It was Nick Bosa. It was Nick Bosa. Just, yeah, okay, gets defensive player of the year. Uh, Jefferson, <laughs> how much can you say about this guy? I mean, how good he is, and imagine if he had a quarterback who was competent the entire game, what he would do. I mean, this guy's getting, you know, Kirk Cousins can make some nice throws. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here just to dig on him. He absolutely can have good moments, and then he has primetime Kirk Cousins moments where he usually only does good if he plays the Patriots for some reason. Uh, But Jefferson is... I mean, this is year three for Jefferson. It just it just finished, and I mean, this kid looks like he, much like Mahomes in the quarterback category, Jefferson looks like in the wide receiver category. He's going to chase all sorts of receiving records, uh, you know, health permitting, of course. Bosa is a monster. He changes the game. Um, it it would have been really fun. I'm not. I'm not saying. The Eagles did not deserve to win an NFC Championship game. So don't hear what I'm not saying, everybody. I'm just saying, uh, you know, it would have been really fun to see the full power of the Niners team against the full power of the Eagles team because that would have been a really, really fun game to watch. Didn't happen. Injuries happen. Uh, it would have been fun to see Bosa out there chasing Hurts around to see how Hurts would react, how Bosa could do, but didn't happen. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I can't find any fault with these guys either. You could have picked uh, – a lot of times if a receiver is good enough to win MVP or another category is good enough to win MVP on offense, they get Offensive Player of the Year instead of MVP because the league loves their quarterbacks at MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like you said it before, kind of like with the Heisman Trophy. It's usually going to be a quarterback unless a running back comes in and really just blows it away or the, uh, the off chance, like with Charles Woodson, a defensive player does that. Yeah. Um, so no argument here again. Um, both those guys are monsters and they're the best at their position. Uh, I mean, receivers are hard to rank because it kind of depends what you, what you're looking for. Uh, but I mean, you got the top of the class is clearly, I'd say what, obviously Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Mm -hmm. um, 
might have to throw Tyreek Hill in there. I think you. I think you have to. I mean, uh, I don't uh, think Tyreek does as good with an underperforming quarterback as either of those guys would have. However, uh, Adams didn't either. Adams had Rodgers, and he was phenomenal. And then he was really good with Carr, but he wasn't the same kind of take over the game great because Carr isn't as great. So, how do you rank Cousins against Carr against that? I mean, they're kind of like that Spider Man. Uh, meme where they're looking at each other like, oh, you, you, we're the same. Both have their flaws, both have their upsides. Right. Um, but, I mean, for me, if I'm starting a team right now just based on age and 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 attitude, I mean, I know he wasn't thrown in jail or anything for it, but Hill has had some legal issues, and the best of my knowledge, Jefferson has not. So you're going to start – a team with one person, you're going to start with a, the most talented non-headache you possibly can. And I think you got to go with Jefferson or what receiver position. So, yeah, And the numbers are actually comparable, Chris, between the three of them. I think, though, realistically, the difference between – because Tyreek had 1,707 touchdowns. Seven touchdowns, you want a little bit more from there. But but if you look at it, here's a surprising stat: Justin Jefferson only had one more touchdown. Really? Okay. So Justin had eighteen hundred and eight, and the big difference is Devontae had fifteen hundred and fourteen. So you could almost have that argument if the Raiders could get out of the Raiders' way and make the playoffs. Maybe Devontae actually does win the uh, Offensive Player of the Year. And it, it goes to your case that there is slight differences between the three of them. Uh, but you also have to throw up another guy who is not up there stat-wise this year just because he missed some games. You can't forget about the guy down in Cincinnati, Jamar Chase. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. But I will give props to Justin Jefferson this year. He was probably, the, I think, the best receiver in the game. And you cap that off with one of the most epic catches you will ever see. Oh, yeah. And that was a phenomenal catch. I was glad I got to saw it live because it was monumental at that point. And it, it just goes to your point about um, Kirk Cousins. And I kind of looked up his stats real quick. I don't want to throw a bunch of stats at you, but – it's just funny when you look at his his game log um, where, you know, I, I, I don't know if it meant anything, but if you look at week the last week of the season where he, he had 85% completion percentage, he had one touchdown for 225 yards on 17 completions. And, the week, and that was against the Bears. And the week before against the Packers, he had 205 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions on 18 completions like this guy is <laughs> like what can you say about this guy it's just he's just an enigma yeah and, and you just can't understand it and then he ain't going nowhere he's got 40 48 million coming to him uh i'm sorry 30 million coming to him uh this year so it would have to be i think after this season He's a, a, a cap, uh, cap casualty potential. Um, <laughs> and if you're the Vikings, you got to really, really start <laughs> thinking about 
what direction you're going when when you have i think dalvin came out with a, a surgery this was past week or the week before so yeah that he had surgery uh Thielen, not the young spry kid that he once was still has some years left in him mm-hmm. but he's not but you have justin jefferson so you don't need that right the the direction of the of Vikings will be interesting over the next few years, Very. especially when the ascension. And I know we're we're on the um, we're on the awards, but the ascension of the the Lions and the issues swirling in Chicago. I don't know if you heard about the issues potentially of uh, of rumors about Justin Fields being traded, and then I, I you know Rodgers. Yeah, I, I almost think as far as I know, we're getting off track here, but I almost think as far as the Bears go, uh, and R- Rich Eisen actually said this. I was listening to some of his clips on YouTube the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Bears almost ha- they have to protect if they want that first pick. If they don't plan on just taking their favorite defensive player, if they plan on trading it, they have to pretend they're interested in a quarterback for that pick yes. to have value. Because if nobody's afraid of them taking anything, because mm-hmm. look, they got the twenty fifteen in a draft isn't trading up to get the number one pick. It's going to be somebody in the top five already, more than likely. So, I mean, if 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 the even if the Texans believe, hey, they're going to take our guy, we want our guy, we have to trade up the one spot just to make sure we get whoever we want. That has no value if they're not looking around other quarterbacks, and that makes perfect sense. So, hopefully... They're smart enough to go to Justin Fields if that is the case and go, look, dude, you're going to hear a lot of stuff. You're going to see a lot of stuff. You're our guy. Just lay low. They ask you about right. it. Don't say anything. We're just trying to get value for this pick. We're not taking any quarterback. If they don't, maybe that isn't their intention. Maybe they are really looking into mm-hmm. it. Maybe they are really looking into getting one of these other guys and moving fields. But um, it's, it's so hard to tell, and it's it's kind of intriguing, honestly. it's This is one of those drafts where it's like there's talent at – a lot of different positions. Uh, from what I can tell, you're the draft guy, not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't really know how it's going to shake out. You could have a surprise team. I just said the 2015 isn't trading up to one. That's, in theory, more than likely. But you never know who's going to do what. I mean, the Niners traded up a couple of times. Uh, or were part of two big deals. One actually with the Bears to get Trubisky, where they fleeced them to move up one pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, they moved way up to get Trey Lance and that, you know, we'll, we'll see how that pays off. Poor kid can't stay healthy. Um, so we could see some blockbuster moves or we could see poof and everyone just stays where they are and drafts in order. <laughs> so really interesting to see, because I know obviously those are the two outcomes always, but right. it's not always the same likelihood. And there's a big likelihood this year with two. From what I'm hearing, two really good quarterbacks or, you know, mm-hmm. prospects that yes. a lot of people are interested in. And people see how, I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't even a high prospect. And people see how how much he has just, he has entirely changed the face of that Kansas City organization and the future of that Kansas City organization. Um, you know, you got a guy like Joe Burrow comes in. And yeah, they haven't won Super Bowls yet, but you got to believe the Bengals are going to get a ring sooner or later with Joe Burrow. And that guy is just, I mean, if it wasn't, truthfully, I know I'm going to sound sour grapes here, but neither one is my team. If it isn't for the refs making some of the worst calls I've ever seen, we're watching Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts last Sunday. Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, I mean, and then you get Trevor Lawrence. I know it was only one year, but my God, how much that guy helped turn around the Jaguars from 
a joke to, man, they're a legitimate team. Let's see how ownership handles this round of competitive players because last time they just traded them all off for some reason, didn't pay anybody. So it's always interesting, and, and teams see that, and they go, if we really think we got this is our guy, man, we got to make a move. We got to get that one. Let's trade them three first-round picks. Let's trade them – you know, a couple players and some, you know, it's going to take a lot to get that first round, the first pick away from the Bears. Yes. Uh, so they should be sending Lovey Smith a very nice Christmas card. Yeah. I agree with the premise that you need to show the field that you're willing to, no pun intended, show the field that you're <laughs> willing to trade. Not fields and, up. <laughs> uh, trade and uh, trade him and uh, trade fields and, uh, Select a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's smart for the Chicago Bears to reset again. And nope. I don't think it's smart for that head coach to reset again because you're just putting yourself behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. But show it uh, and let Justin Fields know that, hey, we are we're trying. We have a, a position of strength right now. We have the first pick in the draft. Thanks to the Houston Texans. We need to maximize that. We're not doing anything with you. We can guarantee that. But honestly, if you look at it, Chris, Houston's going to look at a quarterback. Indy's going to look at a quarterback. Seattle, potentially. Detroit, potentially. Las Vegas is looking for a quarterback. Atlanta, potentially. Carolina, potentially. Like that's, I'm away at nine. And, And there's still a couple more teams that maybe. So you got a lot of these teams, and then we'll talk about you know a little bit later uh, that Indy now has their new head coach, and I think they need to go. And I, and I know you agree with this because you said this a, a while ago after we've seen the experiment of Matt Ryan. They just need to go young. Yep. With a with a prospect. Uh huh. So you're the new head coach. You just got the team over a beloved figure in the franchise and fan base of Jeff Saturday, you kind of need to do something big. And I think that's a direction that the Colts need to go. You got two guys now. Now look, I know there's um, there's like two or three other potential quarterbacks that may go in the first round. I don't love either one of them. And the third one, I can't think off the top of my head right now. I got to do a little bit more uh, digging in, Uh, but the two that stand out, or Bryce Young from Alabama and CJ Stroud from Ohio State. Uh, Bryce is a little bit more of that Patrick Mahomes, where CJ kind of wants to stay home inside the pocket, mm-hmm. almost to a fault. And that's key. Uh, when you look at his, his, his tape and, and you think about your offense, you kind of want to pay attention to that because there's – Against Michigan the past two seasons, there's a couple of times Mr. Mr. Stroud could have could have helped himself by doing a little scrambling. Mm-hmm. That being said, he's still a prolific passer. He has he can make all the throws. He's got an arm strength. He's accuracy like he's got everything you want. How so, is he at scrambling when he does scramble? Is he, is he quick? Is he he good? He's good. Yeah. He just it's not it's not the first thing in his head. It's mm-hmm. not the second thing in his head. It's like. He really wants to go through all his um, progressions. Mm-hmm. 
find the open guy and then he wants to go back and sometimes that bites him in the ass okay. because at that point if you got a pa- any sort of pass rush he's n- he's he's not hitting his last progression because he's he's on the ground so that can be a problem for him and this is a guy who had Garrett Wilson um the guy down in New Orleans um Olave Chris name. Olave Chris Olave Jackson Smith and Jigbo, who's going to be in this draft. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Jesus. Uh, Mecca Boku, who I think is going to be in the next draft, who's probably a first-round prospect. Ohio State is littered with wide receivers. No kidding. Wow. No, it's <laughs> it's it's insane. Um, Almost too many and, good players to throw. Like, who do you throw to? And, and, if you're out, and if you're out there and you want to get a little more info – if you go listen to his uh, Justin Fields interview on uh, Pardon My Take, you'll find out that uh, <clears throat> before NIL, uh, Ohio State pushed a little bit of money in front of Mr. Justin Fields. He admitted that on an interview. Uh, oh, interesting. Pre, Pre-NIL, which means illegal. Just saying. Yeah. I wonder what happens with that, because that, that would have been during the uh... – Yes. That, um, no, that was that was Ryan Day. Oh, that wasn't uh, the current the current the current uh, coach. What's his face? Urban Meyer? No. no. Uh, Although I'm sure he did. Like, I am not going to beat around the bush, Chris. I'm sure a lot of teams did that. So oh yeah, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and hold the high, higher moral ground because yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Michigan State it's Michigan like, fan. I'm not going to sit there and do this, Chris. All right. It's like one side saying the votes are off after they lose. It's like, yeah, guys, um, let's look deep into all of it. You know, um, I'm sure there's actions on both sides from time to time that aren't exactly moral. Correct. Correct. Um, But if I'm Chicago, I stand. I I just – I play the game. I play the game as long as I can. Play these teams against each other. You got to – you got to see – you got to find out in the tea leaves – where who Houston likes and that's who you kind of need to convince the other teams hey this is what they're looking at do you want him do you not want him because you find if if Houston and Indianapolis want the same quarterback Chicago wins yeah hands down and give me everything if I'm the Bears I wait as long as I can to pull the trigger on this even up till because even up until draft day itself, yes, yes. Because then that's when you're going to get the, the the, the feelings from other GMs where it's like, oh, I want to give my fan base this big shocking moment. I want to bring this guy in. I want I want to mm-hmm. make my mm-hmm. my staple move. What I'm going to be remembered for for years and years. And yes. it's going to cost an extra second or third round pick. Screw it. Let's do it. So that's that's when you're going to get the two to three potential first round picks uh you know uh, a couple seconds maybe a couple you know current players that can help out a team right that's when you're gonna get that kind of big move um Mm -hmm. so i agree because i don't i think uh excuse me the big that big uh trade between the 49ers and the bears to to what um bears went from three to two to get uh mitch trubisky i think that Mm -hmm. was a draft day trade I'm pretty sure uh, the other least, ones happened beforehand. So. I think that happened like as yeah. they were about to pick, and it was like, "Oh no, wait! There's been a trade, a massive trade." Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they they need consistency on that team more than anything. They have a coach, they had a team that, yeah, they 
had the first pick, so obviously they didn't do great last year. But as strange as it is to say, the Bears had a lot of games they could have won last year uh, with a little bit more experience. Uh, and, and they have a good running back in David Montgomery. They have a, a dynamic quarterback in, in fields. It all depends on what they've seen. Have they seen enough to say, okay, because the way people are talking about Bryce, Bryce, Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Is that this kid's like a generational talent. Like he's potentially like, am I listening to the wrong people here? Or is he, is that a little bit over the top or is he that well, good? Did, did, I'll say this. Uh, did he win the national championship this year? Uh, no. He's with Alabama, no. No, okay, no. Did he make the playoffs? No. And, and I'm not putting that all on him. Right. Because their defense wasn't the Alabama defense abnormal. Right, right. That being said, I would say he has – if there's one kryptonite, and I know this is a lot this – this goes to any player, but he's had a little bit of an injury issue this year specifically. Not last year because he won the Heisman last year. Um, but generational, I could see the potential. I'm not convinced of it. This is not – this is more of long. I like that's why I, I equated it to Patrick Mahomes. Like you saw the talent in Patrick, but you weren't sure if it was going to translate. You right. weren't sure if someone could take him and mold him into what he needs to be. Which honestly, you didn't need to mold him. He just needed some time to play. You needed the right coordinator or actually head coach. Um, but I think, I think in the right situation, uh, he could have that effect of okay. Joe Burrow, um, Trevor Lawrence, year two. So it, says, uh, it says in a prospect coming in like an Andrew Luck or a Trevor Lawrence where they go, he's going to change the game. This is... He's not changing the game because J- the game was changed by Mr. Mahomes. Right, right. He's just, hey, this he does a lot of things similar to what Mahomes does. So I don't think generational talent, I think exceptional quarterback mobile can make the throws uh he's a gamer i i, I will not take that away from him he, he wants to be out there so mm. if, if he can play he's going to be out there but if he's if he's the first overall pick and he and he has a solid career yeah i can see that okay i can see him busting but i just don't see like generational i think I think Trevor. I think Andrew Luck coming now. Yeah. Like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, like that level. Yeah. Like that's what I think of. But I could, I will admit, I could be wrong that Bryce Young could step day one and just take over the league. The problem is, is Holmes is in the league. So until that, <laughs> until he goes away, that's yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen. But. I like I like both quarterbacks. I like, but you gotta you can't you can't take C.J. Stroud and plug him into the Ravens' offense. You can't take uh, uh, Bryce Young and shove him into the I don't know the Vikings' offense. Although it's a little bit more wide open, they don't do a lot of uh, for obvious reasons. They don't do a lot of uh, quarterback uh, runs. Yeah, yeah, and and, and things like that, but. The right situation, yeah, I could I could see either one of them prospering, but man, 
I know we got off the track of the awards, but that that that's kind of where to circle back. Where the Vikings need to, need to really <laughs> we take the Vikings, home. and then we, we got on the Bears draft choice. Go figure that out. Huh? We did, we did. Well, we, only we, here, Chris. Only here. Well, we will discuss uh, all of that uh, in far more detail down the road as we as yeah. the as free agency approaches and how we see how that impacts teams and has the draft approaches, uh, including. I would assume at some point, even if it isn't the full normal list of 32, uh, where you think at least the top prospects end up. Yeah. Um, I know that's time-consuming, so no pressure, but I'm sure you have, even at top of your head, you know, hey, where do you think this guy's going to go? But for now, we're going to get back on our list. Yeah. Uh, offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Um, both came out of the New York Jets organization. Uh, Ahmed Gardner, I refuse to call a grown man sauce. Um Ahmed Gardner won Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Garrett Wilson won Offensive Rookie of the Year, and uh, I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> Gardner was amazing. Looked like he's a he's a true like number one corner already, and mm-hmm. Wilson was phenomenal when he had someone in the game who could throw to him. I mean, his problem was the same problem the Jets have, and that was Zach Wilson. Uh, <laughs> when he was <laughs> amazing with Flacco in there, he did really good with Mike White. Um, just. Uh, Zach Wilson, I mean, it's been two seasons, but we haven't seen a lot from him. And at this point, like, uh, you got to wonder, is is there anything there to salvage? But you got him for two more years, so you can always, you know, you have time to vet that out and see. But these two guys, uh, the only guy I could honestly think, rookie-wise, who could have probably come in if he'd stayed healthy and taken it away from Wilson was his teammate, Brees Hall, who looked like a shoe-in for offensive rookie of the year before he unfortunately got injured. Um, and yes, unfortunately, even though I'm a Patriots fan, you don't want to see somebody get hurt like that. Um, but hopefully he'll be back. And, um, you know, I can't argue with either one of these guys either. I mean, even though they're Jets, I mean, they, they had great rookie seasons and it looked to have really, really bright futures. So I'm, I'm okay with those two picks also. I have no issue with, uh, uh, Gardner. Um, I would say that only, I mean, Breesall, I agree. He could have competed. The other guy that competed was and has the same issue as Garrett Wilson is his former teammate Chris Olave down in New Orleans. Yeah. Has no quarterback to throw to him. Yet he put up uh what's that, seventy two receptions, one thousand forty two yards and four touchdowns on a just I I understand the numbers don't pop out, but we're talking about a rookie on a team that is should have had Michael Thomas. Has Alvin Kamara <laughs> for now, and supposed to have a unique player in Taysom Hill that is should cause issues for the defense. It didn't. Uh, Jameis Winston, who just clearly is done. They overused him. He, uh, right. I, I think he, I think he's over. And uh, Taysom isn't and dynamic he, when you use him thirty snaps a game. Right. And then uh, Andy Dalton, who's just. Red rifle, right? Um, I don't think we talked about the Saints and their cap issue, and oh, we will, we will down the road. And, still and, remains that I and I said to you that what was that that tweet? Uh, like a what three or four days ago, where <laughs> yeah. they restructured somebody, and uh, the website I go I um, I go to uh, retweeted it and uh, stated they only have like fifty two million more to go to yeah. get under the cap. Yeah. Uh, so they got some issues they need to work out. Uh, but we don't need to talk about that. I, I would just 
Chris Olave needs a little bit of, of love just to kind of what he had to go through this year, I think equates to what Garrett Wilson uh, kind of went through in New York. And I think, and like I said, it's scary that you're going to have another Ohio state wide receiver coming in this draft. Yeah. You're probably going to have two more coming next year. And those two are probably one is going to be a top three pick and the other one's going to be in the first round. I personally think, honestly, when you come down to those two guys, it came down to location as to where they play. When it came to Wilson or Olave, because you get more you get more visibility playing in New York than you do in New Orleans. Even yeah. if the Jets are a mess, they're still front and center in, in, in one of the biggest media markets in the world. Whereas the Saints, while New Orleans is certainly not a small town, uh, it's not the massive media presence of New York even though their team plays in New Jersey. So figure out yeah. geography first, but whatever. Um, yeah. No no arguments there. Uh, coach of the year. Uh, I mean, I, I had said this guy earlier on, and then I, I, I kind of pivoted to it could be him or, or um, oh, my God, I can't remember. The, oh, I can't remember names. I, I, I didn't have enough coffee yet. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Coach, Doug Peterson. Yeah. Could have been Doug Peterson also. Would have had no problem with that. But Brian Dable, the Giants won. Um no 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 problem with that. He took a you know, that team really didn't have massive offseason change aside from him. And he really came in and, and got everything organized and got the guys playing and everybody focused in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Saquon had a great year. Um you know, Daniel Jones looked good. He looked like what he needed to be at, mm-hmm. when they were when they were winning. I mean, Daniel Jones. They don't need Daniel Jones to go out there and throw for three hundred and five. <laughs> every every they don't need him to patch him Mahomes. They need him to be somebody who doesn't turn the ball over and who can make plays with his arms and legs because he can move, and not make critical mistakes. And for a long time this year, he did do just that. Uh, I still don't think he gets a massive contract. I think he gets a he still gets a either a respectably numbered three to four year deal from the Giants or maybe he's franchised just enough to deal with it for another year because they have cap room. Right. Um but after off season after off season uh, of going and getting what they felt would be the big free agent player to help them, the Kenny Galladay, the big offensive lineman, they stayed relatively quiet last off season and brought in a solid coaching staff. And you see yeah. how much that impacted that team. And they looked really good for a lot, you know. Yeah, it didn't end the way Giants fans wanted them to. But man, if you were a Giants fan, and I know quite a few Giants fans, uh, very excited about the direction of this team under Dayball. And uh, you know, they have the cap room. They could probably re-sign both Jones and uh, and Saquon if they wanted to. We'll see how that goes. I think they definitely re-sign Saquon personally. He's too much of a dynamic game changer when healthy. Uh, but no issue here. Dayball went in year one. Uh, had an amazing year, got that team turned around in the right direction, and mm-hmm. gave the fan base something to look forward to. And you can't ask for much more than that. And he turned two guys that potentially were going to be in free agency with probably low offers. And we're now talking about potentially re-signing both of them. Like, that's incredible. And I think that, that speaks to the work he did. Um in the off season and throughout the season, well, the issue will be going forward. One, 
who gets the who gets the full contract and who gets franchised or who gets franchised and then let go and then what is the ramifications of what what they decide um does you know daniel getting a, a, a franchise tag what does that do to his mindset for the for the season does that elevate him does that push him does that not push him is that going to be a struggle between the team and, and daniel jones saquon getting a contract or or getting a franchise tag like i think it would affect saquon more not to get the contract only because we know the lifespan of a running back. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. This is going to be his opportunity. After this, if he doesn't get a contract extension from the Giants, he needs to go out and get whatever he can in free agency because yeah. this is going to be his contract. Uh-huh. So I think that's going to be the interesting direction. And then if you're the Giants and Ryan Dayball, you obviously do not have a high draft pick this year. So – you really need to decide what your future is going to be for the next three to four years mm-hmm. because you're trending in the direction of playoffs. You're in a division where the NFC representation was in the Super Bowl and the other team in there, was uh, Dallas Cowboys, were in the playoffs, albeit they uh, went out very quickly. Uh, and we know what Washington does. They, they're a tough team. They're coached by Ron Rivera. We'll talk about what they just acquired uh, today or yesterday or today. Uh, And they're honestly, they're honestly one quarterback away from resolving their issues. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be an easy division. So they really need to pinpoint as an organization, which direction they're going to go with. Um, Because I think they could lose some of the players and the fan base. If they just say, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Swaycon. We're going to go another direction. Oh, they don't be signed either one of those guys. That's sort of bad. Yeah, you're right. That, That's that is just going to deflating to yeah. the fan base. I think I, I don't. Good. I don't think they're going to go that direction because no, I think no. that would put Brian Dayball behind the eight ball for a season or two before he gets uh, canned. So I think we're going to see. I think we talked about this. I think. Uh, Saquon gets the contract, and I think Daniel gets the franchise tag. It makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you, but it makes sense to me that they go that route because, like you said, Daniel Jones doesn't need to win them. But he had 3,200-yard passing yards, uh, 15 touchdowns, but only five interceptions. And that's like you spoke to. That's what you need him not to do. He needs to not turn over the ball, whether it's running or throwing. You just need to get him some more weapons. But you need to be strategic with those weapons because you don't want to make another mistake like you did with Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, I 100% agree with you. Saquon gets the contract. Because the thing with Saquon is his talent has never been in question. What he can do when he's healthy has never been in question. The guy's dynamic, and he can he can change the course of a game very quickly. Uh, it's just been health, but he stayed healthy last season. I believe the season before that, even he was mostly healthy. Um, so I mean, his injury issue—he had a couple of seasons there where he was kind of in and out, but he seems to have remedied that. Uh, God knows he doesn't want to be injured; he wants to be on the field playing. So I absolutely give him a contract, uh, and Jones gets, even though you're going to be paying him more probably of a, of a um, 
more annually with that salary cap, not salary cap, that uh, um, franchise tag one-year deal than you would in an actual contract. It's only the one year. So if he goes out under under this under the under the franchise tag and bombs next year, whew, disaster averted. We paid him a lot for one year, but now we got a clean slate. And next year we can go get our guy. We can go get a Derek Carr. We can go get a Tannehill. We can go get, in theory, I can't imagine if those guys are going to be signing huge contracts anywhere else. Uh, maybe Carr if a team's desperate, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. Give him the franchise tag. Let him come in. Let him prove it for one more year. If he comes in has another great year, then you say, okay, well. Not only can we offer you a contract now because we've seen enough, but now it's kind of staggered slightly with Saquon's and other big contracts they may have on that team or need to, will need in the next couple of years on that team uh, for some of their higher draft picks. So it makes perfect sense. But I think as much as I hate to say it, I'm not trying to knock Daniel Jones because, you know, he's not only playing in the biggest market in the league, by far, but he's also had some struggles and some bright spots. I think you could take somebody like Orion Tannehill or um, somebody of that caliber and plug him in with the team the Giants had last year and still kind of not really miss much. Still kind of be the same. We want to run first and play solid defense kind of team. So I think of the two, Jones is definitely more expendable. We'll see how they do it, obviously, how it plays out in the next couple of weeks with free agency. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dable turned his team around. There's no doubt about that. And he definitely definitely is deserving of this award. And, and, and Chris, just to kind of kind of circle around that point um, for Daniel Jones, the franchise, num- franchise tag number for this coming year for a quarterback – is $32.4 million. So, and for a running back, it's going to be 10 million. Yeah. So there, that that's where you kind of have to decide on who do you want to pay and, and how much you want to pay them. And if you don't, if you franchise Saquon, is he going to play on the, like your chances of Daniel Jones playing on a tag are higher than far um, higher. Far higher. Far higher than than Saquon Barkley just because just because of the numbers themselves. I think Daniel Jones, if I look at Daniel Jones, his number last year, uh it definitely wasn't thirty two. Uh, but that just kinda that just kinda tells you like teams need to think ahead. And I think mm-hmm. that's what they were partially doing with Daniel Jones. They probably kind of calculated what the projected number would be for a franchise uh, this coming season if they had to franchise tag Daniel Jones. And I think that's probably why they looked at it and said, let's not take the fifth-year option on him because, like you said, we they have the franchise or they have the cap space to um, absorb a high contract. Uh, you pay... He, he he was getting paid eight million dollars past season, so an increase to thirty two million would be beneficial to him, um, and it would have been more than what his fifth year option would have been, which would have been twenty two million dollars. So by default, he was he's getting a pay raise if he decides to go that route. 
of you know Kirk Cousins who mm-hmm. bet on himself. Um, it, it it just makes the most sense uh, for the team, but maybe they work out a contract for both players and yeah, they don't completely screw over the the salary cap to the point where they can't do anything else. Because let's remember, they still need offensive line help. They need to keep that defensive line intact, which I think at least one player, if not two players on the defensive line are free agents. And you still you still have that lingering issue of no true outside threat um, for receivers. They just they just been throwing. I, I like what they got, but they've just been throwing stuff out there, hoping it, it'll stick. And honestly, it's as you saw in the playoffs, it's not enough. And there's it's no there's enough. no defined rules. Like nobody's a clear number one. Nobody. It's the same problem the Patriots have. Right. They have they have a bunch of guys who are like yeah these are good players but like there's no defined role there's no this is our go to guy this is our number one this is and that's not it's not I mean you can say Jacoby Myers is the number one fine cool whatever or at a place like but I mean he's not getting the play like he is they're not setting up the plays for him like he is uh, in Cincinnati look as great as T Higgins and Tyler Boyd are. And Higgins, it, it looks like he's going to be a great receiver also, and Boyd has been a great receiver. Jamar Chase is number one. Jamar's the guy. like, And that's that's pretty clear to anybody who looks. Doesn't mean he's the only talented guy, but he is by far the one defense they're going to pay attention to the most. Right or wrong, that's how it goes. They need that guy. Um, and they don't have him. But every, every team needs that guy. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a, everybody's looking for that. So, I mean... Um, yeah, uh, that's, you know, I, I don't have any issue with any of these awards, honestly. Uh, yeah. And this one, even despite his poor uh, poor sportsmanship he may have showed towards his kicker in the playoffs, um, this is, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but I know it's my favorite award of the year. The Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, I think, is the one that means the most. It's not just, you know, the league voting on who is the best on the field. It actually takes other things into account such as, you know, how you help your community, how you kind of take this insane amount of fame and, and wealth that you have for playing a game and turn it into something positive for those less fortunate in your community. Uh, and this year's winner was Dak Prescott. Uh, so last time we talked about, D- about Dak, we uh, ripped him a little bit because he was not being a very good teammate. Uh, but, you know, clearly to win this award, you have to do a lot right. And, uh, you know, my opinion of Dak before this was always, uh, before the whole kicker incident was always fairly high, honestly. I never had any reason to dislike the guy. I never really thought he was, like, an elite-level player. I thought he was the best guy the Cowboys had. They had to resign him, obviously. But I didn't think we were going to confuse him with a Mahomes or even a Burrow, honestly. I just don't – he doesn't have that clutchness to him. He just doesn't. Like, it's, it's, it's most times on the field – uh, when Dad gets the ball and it matters, he doesn't come through. Um, but clearly, he does off the field, and he does a lot in the Dallas area, and, and that's that's good on him. And um, yeah, congrats to him. That's that's it's a big deal, and it's a great award, and um, something to be very proud of. And probably the only thing we have in this trophy case. I agree. I have, I have no issue with the the selection. I, I don't know how to dive into. Who deserves what? But I'm I am positive that every time they make the choice for the Walter Payton 
man of the year, it's 9.9 times out of 10, the correct choice. So, oh yeah. Uh, congratulations to him. And, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he fixes a little bit on the field, uh, kind of like what he's done on the, off the field. So mm-hmm. congratulations to him. Uh, appreciate what my cousin does. You know, I was going to say, yeah, family reunion. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe just ask him in the black. Yeah. Man of the people, you know, uh, unfortunately, um, Lately, uh, championships have glued both of us. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see where the future takes us. Yeah, I hear that. Okay, on to the Super Bowl. We're, we're not, I don't think we need to dig too deep on this. Um, no, I just you know the the, the Chiefs obviously won thirty eight thirty five last second field goal. Um, I kind of have a bit of a a soapbox to get on for a minute or two. So, if you want to go first on this one, or you want to. I'll be brief because, as okay. you know, I was. Yeah, you weren't able to anniversary, watch, yeah. Yeah. so I watched literally the last drive. So, uh, all I'll say was, from the stats I saw, and some of the highlights I saw, it seems like both quarterbacks were playing really good. Jalen made one mistake, which turned the game around. And I'll say this about the holding call. I get both sides of the argument, you know, consistency throughout the game, high point of the game. Do you really want to call ticky tack? And, and I was talking with a uh, with someone this uh, actually a couple uh, yesterday. Even if he don't make that call, and they don't get the first down, Harrison Buckner is going to make that kick. So right, I'm pretty exactly. confident on that. So. Yeah. Uh, from what I tell, it was a really good game, high scoring. Uh, you know, the real the real blame should be on both defenses. They weren't able to, mm-hmm. uh, but the Chiefs were able to do a little bit more than the uh, the Eagles. So, I know the Eagles were talented as a a very high caliber defense coming in. Didn't show it, but. You had two exceptional quarterbacks playing at high level. A lot of talent on on the uh, position, out in the skill position. So you do what you can with what you got. Look, it, it was a 38 to 35. Patrick Mahomes played like he does. You, if you're the if you're the Eagles, you tip your cap. I saw the press conference for Jalen Hurts. I thought he was very very on point with everything he said and it it it, it should give eagles fans hope for the next few years as long as he's a quarterback that they're going to have a really good quarterback at the helm with a great head on his shoulders and it all just depends on the team they put around him replace players that retire go into free agency what have you but it 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 seems like it was a really good game Mm -hmm. The controversy around that holding call, I think, needs to be subdued a little bit just because where the Chiefs were at, they were going to make the kick. You, you, if you wanted to stop it, if you want to make that, that that stance and you're an Eagles fan, stop Patrick Mahomes from running, what was it, 20, 25 yards? Yeah. 25-yard scramble when you had him in, almost in the grass. Yeah. I mean, so like, it just it, – Make it, the play. Yeah. Make the oh. play. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but that's <clears throat> kind of all I have on it. So, 
be my guest. Yeah, no, actually, I, I agree with you. So my my statement isn't anything to do with disagreeing. Uh, it's just a, a kind of a different, maybe a different, just kind of want people to see things from my perspective here. And first of all, tale of two halves as far as the game went, and neither team played bad in either half, but. Philly was definitely the better team in the first half. KC definitely in the second half. And the other team, while they had bright spots in their non-dominant half, uh, was not quite up to par with the other team in, in, in their bad half. Um, it was a great game. Both teams played. Both offensives played great. Um, you know, the if if I honestly think the the Eagles defense holding Mahomes to to fourteen first half points was. Um, <laughs> kind of amazing, honestly, uh, considering how he can just throw out points. Um, Butker did miss a, 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 a what is for him usually a chip shot field goal, I believe, in the late first or early second quarter. So I think that's what a lot of people were thinking of. Oh, he would have never made it. Buckner is an amazing kicker. It's an oddity when he misses a kick. He would have made that kick even without the holding call. You're 100% right. Um, and I, I want to get my thing comes down to that last call and for all the crap we gave the officiating deservedly so for that horrendous AFC championship game because that was an absolute disaster and it made the league look terrible because there was just we've gone back we've talked about it there's so much wrong with the officiating in the AFC championship game the Super Bowl was a well-called football game I did not have a single issue with any call in that game any call in that game and it has been a long time since I've not been able to say that the NFL got their very best for this game, and it showed. And both of those teams got to play their game. James Bradbury himself said, yeah, I held. He owned up to it. He said, I held him. I had to hold right. him. Otherwise, he would have gotten a touchdown. Like, and, I mean, and it's Juju. So for him to get in the end zone, that's a miracle. Um, It's a couple of weeks before this game, actually a couple of days after the AFC Championship game, Goodell came out and said, there's nothing wrong with our officiating. It's better than ever, and everybody ripped him a new one, and deservedly so. But the problem is the officiating will never get adjusted because the minute anything ever happens, everyone jumps on it, no matter what. Nobody says what a great called game this was by the officials because it was. It was a, a very well-called game. And there were many opportunities where I thought, oh, this is where the league shifts it to the Chiefs' favor because you're not going to convince me there isn't somebody on the take in that AFC Championship game without an officiating crew. That was insane. That was absolutely insane. And there was many opportunities in this Super Bowl where I thought, okay, this is where the Eagles get screwed. This is where they get really, really screwed by an obvious call. And it didn't happen. It was well called. It was well officiated. It was straight up. And you had two really good football game, football teams played each other and the team with more playoff experience being the Chiefs and a more consistent elite quarterback because Hurts is still young. He's still developing. Uh, one. And that's that's the that's the real story. The Chiefs won their second in four years. They deserve to win that game. And the fact it comes down to a holding call that was a hold that people don't want called. They want consistency, but they don't want help. They want consistency, but let's not let's not call this because it's too big of a moment. Well, if penalties don't matter in big moments, why do they matter at all? Let's just make this NFL blitz rules and just everybody out there slamming into each other <laughs> constantly. Like a rule is a rule. Right. It's the same thing as the tuck rule. Yeah. Is it stupid? <laughs> 100%. Idiotic. But it helped my team, so yay. Hooray. 
it's in the rule book. It's how it's written. They followed it to a T. He was held. Juju was held. Bradbury admitted, I held him. An NFL officiating will never get the makeover it desperately needs the majority of the time if even on legitimate plays, fans just bitch, piss, and moan about it. Right. In media types, bitch about it, piss about it, moan about it. If you're on the opposing team, and normally, normally, dude, normally I'm right up there with Pat McAfee on, on, on opinions, but he was all over this call. I disagree with him here because if he's on the opposing team and he sees that hold, he's going right. to go, why is it not a hold now? And I understand. Holding, as well as many other penalties, happen on every play. I get that. I really do. The refs can't see everything. There's 100 cameras at these stadiums that can see every angle. Refs can't see every angle. However, this happened to be the receiver and the cornerback that the ball was coming to. All eyes are on them. They saw it. They called it. We can't have it both ways. We can't have consistent officiating, but then don't call what people think are ticky-tack fouls in big moments. A, a penalty is a penalty is a penalty. End of story. And if we're ever going to get changes in officiating that we desperately need, we need to stop getting on officials when they make the right call. Otherwise, it looks like we're just unhappy no matter what. And nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change at all. So keep complaining and it's going to get worse and worse. Because if you're an official and you call a great game and then you get nonsense and people acting like you did something wrong, what's your motivation to better yourself? You call the perfect game. There's a well-called down-the-middle fair game, and they called a legitimate penalty on that play, and they still got crap for it. So why try to improve? Because no matter what you do, people are going to complain. So that's my soapbox. I got nothing to add. I don't want. I don't want to interrupt what anything you said. So I think I think you were spot on. So, um, let's move on to some co- coaching moves, or you want to keep going on this? Uh, well, I think we can move on to the coaching moves. I'm intrigued because we kind of we kind of uh, shed a little light on it so far, and I want to kind of just expand on the. Yep. This this this. this. I I honestly don't know what to say about this, Chris. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the five positions that got filled. Okay. And then we'll get into this strange <laughs> as I put in my notes, Chris, strange case of Eric Bienemy. So as you know, if you don't know, uh, but as you know, Chris, and if you don't know out there, so five positions were open. We got the Colts position, the Cardinals the Houston Texans, the Carolina Panthers, and the uh, Denver Broncos. All those positions were open. For head coach. For head coach. All right. We already know Sean Payton in a dynamic trade of first-round picks got traded to the Denver Broncos. That better work out for them. It better. Like we said, they're going all in on two guys. They better work. Um, Houston hired, I think rightfully so. This is a smart move. D'Amico Ryans, ex-player for the Houston mm-hmm. Texans, coached the defense for the 49ers. So he just kind of picked up where Robert Sala left off. No drop-off, in my opinion. Uh, no. So I think it's a great move, great hire. Fan base probably loves it because he's, you know, he he played there for multiple years. Icon in the community. 
there's nothing not to like about this. Uh, the head scratchers. There's three. Carolina hiring Frank Reich after the tumultuous ending in Indianapolis. Yeah. Where he got fired midway through the season. And then, of course, the debacle after that of Jeff Saturday getting hired as the interim. We all we, we went over all that crap this past season. Uh, Jeff Saturday put out a nice tweet about to the Indianapolis fans how he would have loved to have been the head coach, blah, blah, blah. Okay. We'll get into the Colts in a second. But Frank Wright getting hired as a head coach again. Uh, I've said this before. My issue with retreads is the immediately hiring of a retread yeah. after they just got fired. Not, you know, Josh McDaniels had to wait. It was, what, three four, three, three seasons after firing, got fired from, I think it's two or three seasons after he yeah. got fired from. from and he turned on other opportunities also. Yeah, also turned on an opportunity. But uh, I, that, I don't have a problem with retreads in that instance where – Okay, you've taken a beat. You've humbled yourself a little bit. You're trying to analyze what you did. You went to a, another place, and you kind of just, okay, let me reconfigure how I'm going to make my approach. For Josh, is a bad example because so far it's not working in L.A. but or Las Vegas, but we'll see, we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, Frank Reich just seems like someone who needed to take a beat, who just needed to be like, okay, I'm just going to take a season or two. Maybe not as an OC, but he could have done a Sean Payton. He could have. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Did a TV gig or something and then came back as a head coaching candidate. That's a possibility. I'm sure he's got uh, some love from uh, Jim Irsay, so he could speak highly of what he did in Indianapolis. But I I just think he's a bad hire by Tepper. Um, I know he's a mess and a nice a coaching staff in in Carolina and we'll see what happens there it'll be interesting to see in what quarterback direction they go because if they go with a, a not a like a retread quarterback but like you know a veteran kind of like what Frank Wright did in uh, Indianapolis kind of tells you what direction that he might go with Carolina that being said, if it's Aaron Rodgers they get for some reason, they're able to acquire him, maybe it'll go in a positive direction. I don't think Frank Wright's going to work, but we'll see what happens. The hirings of the Colts, they hired the OC. I don't know how to pronounce this. Sam, I don't know if you know how to pronounce it, Chris, but I, I might <laughs> you, have you know, it. and I do. So That's a good one. Steinchen. Sounds good. Let's go with that. Um, so, so it's funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday. the The Colts hired the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles after they won the Super Bowl previously, when Doug Peterson was the head coach of the Eagles. And that had, that OC was Frank Reich. Yep. Yep. So now they did it again. They hired the offensive coordinator. Or the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, After the Eagles hired their offensive coordinator away from them. Right. So, I, I 
And, and, and this guy was in position for 2021 and 2022. So two seasons as the OC, and he gets a job. Okay. Um, the Arizona Cardinals hired uh, the defensive coordinator, Gannon, from the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Eagles have lost both of their coordinators. And this guy has been in position for the Eagles from 2021 to 2022. And I guess his interview was very, very good. And what I read on it, that he spoke very highly of Kyler Murray. So you can go into an interview. Clearly he hasn't watched game film. Right, right. But you can go into an interview and, and know that the franchise just put a dump truck in front of this quarterback. So their their wagon is saddled to this guy. Yep. Clearly because they fired Cliff Kingsbury. So you could speak highly of him and, and and want to build a prosperous future with him and get the job. Reminding you that he's a defensive coordinator. So there's some questionable things there. Yeah. Why am I putting all this in a certain context? Hmm. Um, as you probably heard earlier, Eric Bieniemy got hired as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. That Which is not is a promotion. Well, so odd. Right. It, it it's not a promotion, but it is a promotion, Chris. The narrative coming out of coming going into Washington is that now he will have play calling abilities, mm-hmm. which is what he didn't have in Kansas City. So there was a narrative that I was watching all week um, that Andy Reid is destroying Eric Bieniemy's opportunity to get a head coaching position uh, because he does a little pink line. I think that's valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I did just read an article before we started that uh, two the two offensive coordinators before um, before. Uh, Eric Bieniemy for the Kansas City Chiefs were uh, Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy. Okay. Did 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 they get head coaching jobs? Yes. Were they play calling? I don't know that. I'm I'm gonna lean towards probably not. Do I have empirical data that tells me yes they were not? No, I have nothing in front of me that says. Andy Reid was the play caller. I'm going to go with the odds are Andy Reid was the play caller. He did it a lot in Philadelphia. He's clearly doing it in Kansas City. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, Boo Boo, go ahead and do that. You and have, just be clear, you're not you're not trying to knock Andy Reid. That's just how he runs his offense. That's how he runs it. Yeah. And I just, if that's what he wants, he's got two Super Bowl victories. He's been the Super Bowl four times. Right. Uh, so yeah, four. Yep. One with the Eagles and three with Kansas City. Yep. One, two with Kansas City. So. I'm not going to sit here and tell Andy Reid how to run his. That's fine. But when when Matt Nagy gets a job and Doug Peterson get a job as head coaches, and he clearly, uh, I think he was probably play calling. So what is, what is missing in this, between the three of them? So there's only two things left, Chris. Just to clarify real quick before you make your final point. Yes. Doug Peterson was hired twice in that time span. 
Yes. He was hired, yes. went to, took a team to the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, was fired, and then got rehired a year later by a rebuilding team. So, Correct. Yeah. And the enemy... So there's two things I could think of left because I was going to present you with it's either this or play calling. But I think play calling is kind of out the window at this point. Yeah. So there's only two reasons why Eric Bieniemy is not getting a good coaching job. One is because it's play calling and the fact that he has Patrick Mahomes. I guess you could give that validity a little bit, but not too much. Or let's just call the elephant in the room. He didn't get the job because he's black. I mean, it's not normally the first place I go. I know it's not the first place you go either, but you have to wonder at this point when you have, you know, Peterson, okay, he came out and he did help his team win a Super Bowl and all that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of say, okay, maybe there was something there people saw. Nagy, I mean, to say he struggled as a head coach. And mm-hmm. players liked him. They said he was a great guy, great coach, to, you know, great guy to play under, just didn't seem to grasp the concept and was not the right fit for that team, which happens. Pete Carroll wasn't the right fit for the Patriots, and he went to Seattle, and he was, he's was he been great in Seattle. So it can be anything from I mean, a multitude of reasons why somebody that succeeds in one spot or does it in another and does not somewhere else. Um, <clears throat> I mean, look, there is a third option, too. And the two that you just named are, are, are perfectly valid if he is interested in a head coaching job. What if he doesn't want to be a head coach? What what if he's happy being an offensive coordinator? And I know people are going to say, oh, that's crazy. A lot of people work for really big companies and make really nice mm-hmm. salaries and are perfectly happy to just have their day-to-day job and then go home and not have to worry about the same things that the CEO has to worry about. It's not a. I'm sure Eric Bannemi is handsomely paid, especially. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he didn't take a pay cut going from the commanders or from the Chiefs yeah. to the commanders. And he's not going to have to worry about the same stuff Ron Rivera is going to have to worry about. Doesn't have to worry about the same stuff Andy Reid had to worry about. And maybe he did make the change simply because he does want to play. He does want to play call. And what else does he have to prove in Kansas City? He could have probably rode the pine for the next 10 to 15 years as an offensive coordinator in Kansas City and won who knows how many more Super Bowls. Uh, or. He can go to another place that needs rebuilding, that mm-hmm. needs uh, an offensive game plan put into place, and try to have success there too. Um, do I know for certain he doesn't want to be a head coach? He just wants to be an OC right now? I have no idea. He could want to be a head coach more than anything in the world and isn't getting an opportunity. I could Look, we said the same thing when it came down to um, – Oh, God, the guy in Miami, the former Patriots uh, assistant who got... Brian Flores. Uh, Brian Flores. Um, so the same with Flores. There's no reason he got fired to bring in another white guy with no experience. Like, well, uh, well no head coaching is, experience. No, McDaniels is uh, half, um, half white, half black. Oh, well, okay, well. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know. I, I didn't have my... Uh, what do, you, what do you call it? The the home uh, DNA kit results for, for, for Mr. McDaniels um, or Daniels. Um, oh, and he looked like he did a good job down there in Miami. It's not a knock on yeah. him either. Um, I mean, he does look like a Starbucks barista, but that's not his fault. Um, well, actually, it is with that hair. But either way, um, 
I did a nice job, sincerely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it looked like he had a, a bright future, but Flores had that team rolling, and they just decided to let him go. And then you see, like, the enemy is consistently, consistently uh, overlooked. Yeah. Um, and, and not given the opportunity when people who, let's face it, at least when on the outside looking in, are not as qualified as him by any means. And he still hasn't gotten an opportunity. First couple of years, I can understand how people are valued are different. And mm-hmm. you may value this this skill set or this knowledge set over this one. And maybe the fact he didn't call his own plays hurt him a little bit in the eyes of potential owners. But to your point, if Nagy and Peterson won't, won't call him plays either, they didn't have more success as offensive coordinator than the enemy did. So how are they getting... In Peterson's case, multiple head coaching jobs. And it's not a knock on either of those guys either. It's just it's the facts. Like they're not right. more highly touted than Bianami. And he still to this point has not gotten a coaching job. So and this is where we, we we laugh at the Rooney rule. Not because the concept is bad of giving people equal opportunity, but first of all, like it or not like it, an owner should be able to hire who he wants to hire. End of story. It's their right. money. If they want to hire this guy, they can hire this guy. Like it or don't like it, it diminishes the accomplishment of somebody when you say you have to interview people of this color or this background or this. Or, okay, great. And you're just prancing them in there for a dog and pony show if you don't have any intention of hiring them. And it's, it, it's, it, it's insulting to that person more than anything else. But this is where I, I laugh when they have all the, the end zone, the end zone, you know, they have the back of the helmet decals and they have all this stuff they push in the public eye to make themselves look good as far as race goes. And I'm not even disagreeing with the concept of any of it. I'm saying the league's motives are always, they always try to push themselves as, oh, we have good motives. We're trying this. We, we want to help. We want to do this. And then in a real case where there probably is some underlying racial tone, like with the Flores case, like with the enemy, they go, oh, well, let's just not bring that up at all and mention it because it's going to make us look bad. Let's just have somebody put another decal on their helmet instead of actually doing something. So, I don't know, man. I I, I hope it isn't that, but the reality of it is uh, there's a lot of evidence pointing to the fact it, it could it could be, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, I'm quickly going through the uh, all the interviews on NFL.com. You can see where... Every position this offseason, uh, who interviewed for what position. And I'm just going through and seeing. And there's, oh, never mind. Uh, the Colts interviewed Eric Bieniemy, And that seems to be it. Like, that's all. That, for head coach? For head coach. He got out of the five jobs that were open one team said yeah we'll interview you and you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that young colts team with some of their developing talent couldn't use a mind like airbnb enemy like right so so i'll end it here chris because I, like you said i don't like to jump to that issue yeah. to the racial issue right away that's why i i presented you all the facts and i said these are all the options and you just kind of have to you just look at it and look throughout all past five years and you just 
the hirings, the firings, and you just got to look at it and say, okay, why is he not getting it? Now, mm-hmm. without having a conversation with him, you can't get a grasp of how how much he wants to get a head coaching job. Yeah. I think getting the commander's offensive coordinator position speaks to him wanting to get a job. And I do allow for the fact that Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy and Frank uh, Doug Peterson didn't have Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It's exclusively Eric the enemy. So I'm going to allow for a team to say, yeah, but you have Patrick Mahomes. Right. We saw what he did on the field. So you're you're compounding, not play calling with having Matt uh, with having Patrick Mahomes. So I'll allow for that. Um, so that means if he goes if he goes to Washington, and if they figure out their quarterback situation, maybe it's Tyler Henneke, maybe it's Sam Howell, maybe they draft somebody, maybe they trade for somebody. I don't know what they do. All I know is if I'm clearly if I'm Eric Bieniemy and I'm going to, to Washington. Ron Rivera has told me, this is our plan. Here's option A, option B, option C. And he likes all the options. Otherwise, he wouldn't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, unless they have Super Bowl success, maybe champion, no, NFC championship success, but if he gets Super Bowl success first year, and he doesn't get a head coaching job then, now anyone who wants to bring up the racial issue is really going to have a a foothold to stand on because we've we've now subtracted all these issues. Patrick Mahomes, play calling, success without them. Like, we've now subtracted everything, so what's left? And maybe... And I'll allow for him to maybe there's two head coaching jobs, maybe three jobs, none of them he likes. Maybe there's no jobs, which is highly rare in the NFL that a job doesn't come open. But I'll allow for him to decline interviews uh, for a job because he doesn't like it. But if I'm Eric Bieniemy at this point, I'm like, I need to go somewhere, get my foot in the door, and make my own impact. But Maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he just wants to be an OC, like you said. I think this year and next year will tell, especially if this year he takes this t- he takes this offense, which has tremendous amount of potential. We're talking two running backs. Oh yeah, uh, at least two wide receivers. There's some talent on this offense. Yes, they they have the talent on offense. They have a nice amount of talent on defense. There is potential. Ron Rivera has taken this team with the issues from that asshole uh, owner. And he's just been able to put a a respectable product on the field has yep. contended each and every year that he's been there. So Ron Rivera getting fired at any point in the near future should be an impossibility. And you I think hope. you would hope I, so I think I think what's going to happen is at minimum at the end of the second year he's with the Washington Commanders. I think he'll have a head coaching job. I think the the legal see it's not Patrick Mahomes and it's not Andy Reid that he has the capability. Um, I'm I'm hoping that that we've shifted away from where where 
selecting people because of the color of their skin. I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping yeah, it's nice. just that'd be a nice change. I'm, <laughs> I'm just hoping that it's an owner and a GM has looked at it and said, "Well, you have Patrick, and Andy calls the plays. So why am I going to bring you in? Because you have done, you haven't done much to show me that you're worthy of being the head coach. You don't have this. You don't have that." And your crutch is the best quarterback in the league. And quite honestly, could go down. He's going to compete with Tom. Let's put it that way. Hey, if he stays healthy, he's going to. If he stays he's healthy gonna, at his pace, he's going to shatter every quarterback record known to yeah. man. But he will. And, and, and he'll usurp Tom as the all-time great quarterback. Yeah. So I can understand a team Maybe. looking at it. It's like, but. Need five more, though. Right. But tie, I'll just say I'll, I'll just say I'll just say this, Chris. It did stop Brian Forlars from getting a head coach job. It didn't stop Matt Patricia from getting a head coaching job, and it didn't stop um, who was before Patricia. Oh, uh, Romeo Cornell. Mm-hmm. Why am I bringing up those three coaches? They're all defense coordinators. They had the greatest quarterback to ever live, and Bill Belichick is known to be the maybe not the play caller but his his hand is very much in the defense so that's all i'm going to say on that because yeah. i you know and i know we've seen many reports where where bill belichick will call a team and praise that coordinator mm-hmm. for what they do to help get that job so i will put a little shade on Andy reed how much effort did you put? How much effort did you put into helping Eric Bieniemy get in that job? How much? That's all I'm gonna say. But now yeah. he's in. Now he's in Washington. We'll see what he does there. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm very intrigued to see what happens down there. I think they have to get a quarterback now, a, a steady quarterback who's going to be their guy to build with. Um, I just want to see the best people at the positions, get the job. I don't care what's good mm-hmm. because if they're all, if every, every head coach in the league is black and they're literally legitimate, the 32 best head coaches in the league or candidates, I don't give a damn. That's fine. If they're all white, I don't care about that either. If they're the best, that's fine. Right. I guess I'm kind of an oddity or we're both kind of oddities in today's day and age. We just want the best people, regardless of any other, anything such as the color of their skin. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I know a lot of people, uh, I'm kind of ashamed to admit this. Several people, when Brady left and Cam Newton became a quarterback, because they're up oh, downhill now, and it was because it was a black quarterback. And um, now these aren't people I'm close with and know personally on a very high level, but they're people who I associate with through work and other various things. And it's like, wow, you're it's 2021 at that point or 2020 at that point, and you're still this is where your head's still at. Oof, okay, good luck with you. <laughs> good luck to you. Uh, right, <laughs> you're not, you're not. Uh, yeah, your mind is way behind the times. Um, but that same person, if somehow Patrick Mahomes, exactly, was traded exactly. to the Patriots at this point, instead of allowing it to, you know, they're they and Cam didn't do great with the Patriots, but it wasn't because he was black; it's because he was beat down after, you know, his body had given up on him. He wasn't the same player. It was it was years of abuse at, as a quarterback position, and and it had nothing to do with anything skin color wise. But I guess, unfortunately, some people are still there. Um, yes, and neither you or I are are the type to. There's a lot of times we see people say that's racist, and we go, "Dude, for real, get it real. It's not. It's not a racial thing. We're not. It's not the first place either of us jumps to." But 
there are a lot of facts presenting it um, to potentially be the case in the situation. Yes. Uh, and I'll just say this much before I go. Uh, the Chiefs are now the bad guys. They tell you the Chiefs fans, you're no longer the lowly underdogs with a good young quarterback who are mm-hmm. uh, who are trying to make a play to take down the big bad evil empire. You are now the evil empire. Correct. So get ready for that because, to be honest, the fan base seems a bit soft. Um, get ready for everyone, everyone hating your team and your quarterback and saying he's not good and saying he's overrated and saying and they're wrong because he's awesome. But get ready for it. We as Patriots fans dealt with it for almost two decades. The many have success. And every time you get eliminated, everyone's laughing about it, even if they don't know. I know people who weren't even football fans who will laugh when the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. They don't even know anything about football. They just laugh because they're tired of hearing the Patriots win. That's now you, KC. Buckle up. It's good. It, 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 It's not fun. That's 100% it. correct. You good? I said you're 100% correct on oh, that, yeah, Chris. Okay. And, um, um, yeah, we'll we'll get into because we, we we know what happened with Derek Carr. He got cut uh, to avoid a astronomical. God, uh, I hope the Jets sign him. I so hope. I so hope the Jets astron- sign him. I so hope they think he's the answer. Do it, please. Lock him up. Give him give him three hundred million for five years. I just just lot just lock him so, up. Yeah. Um, the 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 riggers were trying to avoid having to pay him guaranteed money. And I don't know if we mentioned this before on a different episode, but he came out and stated to every team that would potentially trade for him, do not try. I will not accept any trades, which forced the Raiders hand. So we are now in this world. Um, I think next week uh, we'll get into, we'll start tapping into uh Free agency. We have yep. free agency coming up on the fifteenth of March. So we got a few episodes before free agency hits. Uh, it'll be interesting. We got where's Aaron Rodgers going? Where's Derek Carr going to land? Uh, is Justin Fields on the move, or is it smoke screens? Do we have some other hidden quarterbacks that aren't happy are going to move? Draft implications. A lot of things happening, Chris, that, you know, just can really shift the dynamic in the league. Uh, and I think some of the coaching moves have, have shifted a little bit of, of what's going to happen next year. And we're definitely going to see – I think we're definitely going to see Aaron Rodgers have to be the first uh, shooter drop. Um and, and if you ever get a chance to uh, take a few minutes, even if it's not the whole interview, just a clips of him on uh, Pat McAfee's show. He basically came out this past week and said, anybody who thinks they're in my inner circle, they're just lying because they're not. So <laughs> I, I, I like how sometimes he's transparent on, on what's going on and everything. I just... We know he's a little bit of a whiny a child. Oh, yeah. So we'll see agrees. what happens. The dog agrees. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for me. 
All right. Thank you very much for listening to episode 197. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or sports related at all, Ben and I'd love to hear from you. And where can you get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSPod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. And if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and review, subscribe, and ask a friend to do the same. Greatly appreciate the support. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you right back here next week. Thank you.